leading without formal authority, how to use influence to get things done on the job, in teams, in so-called flat organizations, and specifically in situations where you're not the boss. This is a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell. Really what people are looking for today is how do I influence? How do I lead without authority? How do I work with people who don't report to me and yet I need to be able to collaborate and influence them? That's Jocelyn Davis, whose new book is called The Art of Quiet Influence, Timeless Wisdom for Leading Without Authority. Jocelyn is widely known for her expertise in leadership development. She's the founder and principal of the firm Seven Learning, and Jocelyn is the former head of research and development at the global firm, The Forum Corporation. Her book combines the wisdom of ancient Eastern philosophers and sages and Western contemporary expertise. We spent some time recently unpacking the book's major themes and insights. This is an edited version of that conversation. Jocelyn, we're grateful to have a few minutes with you. Thanks for making the time. Thanks so much, Michael. I'm happy to be here. Can we start briefly by exploring the context? What's the biggest driver around the need to, if you will, wield quiet influence on the job? The continual breakdown of hierarchical silos uh, in organizations. I mean, organizations are just, um, you know, the, the need for speed, the need to be competitive, the need to respond to, um, you know, all, all these new factors in the in the economy, from the internet to, you know, the gig economy to just the, the, the general pace of business, new competitors coming in, technology, all of those factors have conspired to create much flatter organizations, much more fluid organizations, people who work in projects uh, primarily rather than, you know, sort of sitting at a desk and, and reporting up to one manager. You're, you're often working on, you know, 15 different projects simultaneously and you have, you have, 15 different project managers that you're working with or teams that you're working with. Um, many people, of course, are you know, in the gig economy or are working on their own, but they need to collaborate, of course, with, with clients, with, with uh, team members. So it's just a much more fluid situation where this, this need to influence when you're not the boss has become just increasingly important. Yes, that all sounds terribly familiar, or it should to most of us. So what to do about it? Your book is organized around three key ways to be influential in whatever roles we're in, especially when we don't have formal authority. Can you walk us through those? These are core influence practices, I call them, and they are inviting participation, sharing power, and aiding progress. And these three practices really fit on, if you think about the life of a team, uh, I have this uh, uh, chart or diagram in the book that lays out these three practices against three stages of team development or group development, which are membership control and performance. So simply put, it's, you know, we're all familiar with this. You get together in a, in a team, and at first you're kind of concerned with who are these people and what are we doing and why, and you're, you're kind of finding your feet, and that's the membership phase. And then you move on, and Often, um, you know, things start to get a little dicey. People start to have the, the conflicts and there's power struggles. And that, that's the control phase when everybody's kind of struggling for control. And then all going well, eventually you'll get to the performance phase where things are, are you know, humming along and going pretty well. But, it, but even at that point, 
there are specific issues that crop up that, that, that it's helpful to know how to deal with. So given that, those, uh, that framework, those three phases, these practices sort of lay themselves out as um, uh, important in each phase. So inviting participation is the first practice. And in the membership phase, that's really important because what you want to do as an influencer, somebody who wants to be influential, is you want to be inviting the group to feel like a group, helping, helping people feel that they are members who are important, who are appreciated, who aren't just sort of you know there for who knows what reason, but are valued at, for the contributions that they can make, are valued as, as people as well. So inviting participation is a, a lot about that, uh, that upfront team building stuff, or even if it's not a team, even if it's just, um, you know, maybe you're, you're working with some clients, it's, it's that helping that, that group, that group of people, whoever they may be, feel as if they, they belong and as if they have a reason for being there and as if they're valued. So then we move on to the control phase and the, and the key practice there is sharing power. Because what happens then is that people tend to want to hold on to power. People, people tend to want to be the smartest person in the room, be the most influential person in the room. Uh, but the most important practice there, if you really want to influence, is sharing power and helping other people be at their best, helping other, somebody else be the smartest in the room so that the whole group can get smarter or more powerful or more effective rather than just um, thinking about your own uh, power and effectiveness and, and you know how, how much everybody's respecting you. Uh, and then finally, the, the performance phase, the core practice there is aiding progress. And this, I, I find this uh, a pretty interesting one because it's, um, it's kind of boring because what aiding progress is mostly about is just staying the course being persistent, keeping your eye on the, that, that long-term goal. Because what happens so often is that uh, people get bored. It's like, well, we've been working on this project for a while. You know, geez, it's kind of time to move on to the next thing, isn't it? Haven't we already done what we said we were going to do? You know, so there, there's this sort of boredom factor that sets in and everybody wants to move on to the next thing. But the real influencers, the, 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 the quiet influencer at this point stays involved, leans in, remains persistent, resilient, continues to encourage the team, celebrates milestones, so celebrates the achievement of milestones, but also recognizes that we're not there yet and we need to keep going with our eye on that, that end goal. So those are the three practices. Very interesting. Thanks for the detail around those core practices. Now, what do you think the biggest hurdles are for people? What holds most of us back around being more influential? There are two big things, in my view, two big specific things that hold people back. And then we, we could talk uh, in a moment about sort of the, the big issue, which really is about mindset and, and how people understand their role uh, in terms of power, in terms of influence and leadership. So there's sort of a big mindset thing, but there, there's also two very specific things that people get wrong, so to speak. Uh, the first one is that um, in the West, especially, we've been encouraged to think of influence as a transactional thing. It, we think of it in terms of currency, almost. And there are authors who talk about uh, relationship currency, meaning that 
you should think of things in terms of, uh, you know, what do I give you? And, and then you'll give me something back. So I'll pay you one job recommendation and you'll pay me back with a referral to a client. You know, and it's a very transactional view, a very Western view, frankly, of, um, of how influence works. But research actually shows as well as if you, if you look to the East, to, to more of the sort of Eastern philosophies and, and thinkers and ways of behaving in business, um, uh, all of that shows that there's really a different way that's more effective to think about influence, which is in terms of um, a, a pay, almost paying forward or a contribution to the collective that, you, you know, you don't know if you're going to get paid back. I don't know if, you know, if I, if I help you out Michael, is Michael going to give me something back of equal value? I, I don't necessarily know that. But what I do know is that if I think in terms of the collective, think in terms of raising our game, so to speak, not just how do I rack up points in my game, then that contribution, that, that uh, paying it forward, so to speak, will come back around to me in unexpected ways. And that's a much more Eastern way of thinking about influence, um, a more community-minded way, if you will, that uh, ultimately is, is going to be more effective. So that, that's one thing, is, is just the way people think about influence. Um, it's helpful if they, if they can change that to a less transactional view. And then the other thing that people often, that, that where people often go wrong, and this especially applies to the sales world, is this in this whole area of handling objections. And I talk about this, I make this the focus of chapter two of my book, but it's really a theme that runs throughout the whole, um, the whole book and this whole concept of influence is how do you deal with objections? That is when, when somebody confronts you with pushback or says, I don't like this or that's stupid or I don't agree or no, I think your product stinks you know how how do you handle that and for for all of us as human beings that is a very very difficult thing to handle because our you know our reptile brain is triggered by those things and immediately we go into fight or flight mode and our tendency is to either want to you know run away or to fight back to say no no you're wrong and let me explain to you why you're wrong and you know, your objection is not valid, and here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat it down. So great salespeople, of course, know, and great influencers know that that is a completely ineffective way to handle an objection. Instead, what you need to do is first encourage the objection. You need to say, in, invite the person to say more. You almost need to open yourself up to, to you know, to more abuse, if you will, um, and and invite the person to to sort of to to enhance or amplify upon their objection. So uh, I say a lot about that in, uh, as I say, in one chapter of my of my book. But I really see it as a theme that runs throughout this whole area, and something that none of us are are particularly good at, and that all of us really need to work on. What about the skill set and mindset distinction? The idea that both skill and will are equally important in terms of succeeding in a role. Specifically, Integrity Solutions training speaks to unleashing a person's achievement drive, which is around 
attitude, motivation, beliefs in one's own abilities, etc. What thoughts do you have around the mindset and skill set piece? It is uh, just as much about mindset as it is about skill set. I do think that there are specific tactics and tips and you know things that you can just do uh, before you even uh, you know get the get the, the mindset right. There are some things you can just do to um, to increase your influence or to increase your effectiveness. But at the end of the day, it really is about. Um, certain beliefs, certain attitudes. And the, the I was thinking about this idea of achievement drive. Um, I think a really big piece here is the um, belief that some people have that they do not have power, that they do not have influence unless they can get the authority. So I, I've seen so many cases in my own work where um, there will be somebody who's, you know, often a team leader who's, who's, uh, you know, been given, they're, they're not a, a people manager, they're not a boss, but they're leading some team or project. And they spend a lot of their time arguing for, to have more authority, arguing to have more budget, arguing to have more decision rights, because they're very worried that if they don't have the authority to, you know, granted by the people on high, granted by the bosses, so to speak, then they won't be able to get anything done. And that comes from this uh, sort of fundamental inner belief that I don't have power unless I have authority. And in fact, power and authority are two different things. They, you know, they often overlap. But power is the, the ability to get things done, the ability to influence, if you will, and authority is the, the formal right, so to speak. So uh, it's a it's a you know, sort of a legal concept that you have the the right, the grant of authority, if you will, to uh, make a decision or to render a judgment. Um, but in in the business world, certainly in the sales world, that uh, that concept of authority, those grants of authority just are they're really few and far between and e even when you when you have a lot of, lot of authority even when you're high up on the you know in the hierarchy and you have a, a big title and a big position there's there's so much that happens kind of in between the spaces of the org chart in that white space that has nothing to do with your formal authority so what i would say to these uh team leaders often who are sort of you know worrying about how can I get more authority? I would say just stop worrying about that. Start trying to just do great work with your team. And when you do that, that will be noticed. And then more authority or more power will come because you've shown that you can get the work done, that you can make it happen. And you're really, you're, you're lifting everybody's game that way. Instead of, again, thinking about sort of the points that you're racking up or the the um, formal authority that you have, you're just thinking about how do I, how do I lift this game? How do I lift us all up? Now, I don't want to be Pollyanna and say, you know, well, if you do that, then, you know, you're, you're going to be promoted to, you know, CEO, or you're going to get everything you want. You know, of course, that's not how it works. But it is much more, it's just a much more effective mindset to think in those terms to think about how can I get things done with this, with this team? How can I do great work? It, it's the, the much more power, if you will, follows from that 
than from sort of going in and arguing every day about, you know, how, give me more authority, give me more budget, give me more, um, you know, hand me more power so that I can wield it. We're grateful to Jocelyn Davis for spending time discussing the ideas in her new book, The Art of Quiet Influence. But we didn't want to let her go before hearing her thoughts on coaching. I do think that this concept of lifting our game, that's the the coaching mindset of, of the quiet influencer, if you will, is that I am here to help all of us lift our game, which is different from the mindset that would say, I, I am a coach, you know, I'm, I'm, my job is to coach this uh, soccer team, for example, and that's my official position. I am the coach. That means I have the authority to tell people what to do, to tell people how to get better because I'm the expert. And that latter view of coaching, I think, is, is the older view. It was that the manager is the coach because the manager knows more than the people that report to him or her. That's why he or she is the manager. So people have this, still I think have this somewhat outdated view of what it means to be a coach. It, they, they think of a coach as somebody who, has, who is the expert, who has the authority, who has the right to tell other people what to do and how to, and how to do it. But this newer idea of coaching that I completely align with is the idea of um, Uh, If I'm going to be influential, if I'm going to get work done with people over whom I don't have authority, then I need to have this mindset that it's my job not to just be a star player myself, but it's my job to lift the game of, of, of all of us together. Jocelyn Davis with fascinating insights around leading without authority and specific ideas for building influence in flat organizations or in situations where you're not the boss. Her book again, The Art of Quiet Influence, Timeless Wisdom for Leading Without Authority. You've been listening to a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell.